I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're going to enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. So hi, um, I'm Pritesh. I, I lead marketing at, at Sprinto. Uh, uh, I don't know how many of you partied last night. I did, so I'm a little off. So please bear with me if I'm if I speak something if I'm off a little bit. Uh, but yeah, um, happy to see so many people here right after lunch. This is very encouraging. So let's make this. I hope I make it count. Um, a little about about me. I've been in the B2B space for more than ten years. Uh, mostly, I, I I had my own startup, a SaaS startup, which got acquired. After that, I worked with uh, another B2B bootstrap startup uh, where I took them from half a mil to five mil revenue in three years. And now I'm with Sprinto, uh, my current startup. Uh, I have to pitch Sprinto, that's part of the program, but I'll promise to keep it short. Uh, Sprinto is a compliance, is in the hot space of compliance automation uh, software where we help companies get ISO SOC 2 in, in less than two weeks so that they can close deals faster. Uh, now that that's out of the way. Uh, a few more disclosures. Uh, you'll see here that uh, the, the title specifically says tactics, right? Three demand gen tactics. So I'm going to strictly, I'm, I'm going to limit myself to tactics and not strategy because I believe there are there is some amazing material on the internet for strategies and frameworks of how to create demand gen, uh, but very few resources that talk about the specific tactics they used in order to grow. So that's what I'm going to cover, so please don't expect any, any uh, strategy from me. Uh, I'm also going to cover my journey from the previous startup of how, how we really applied these demands and tactics to grow, which paid off big time. And the third, uh, I'm not going to, you know, mostly I'm not going to cover anything, anything really out of the box. They're just uh, tactics that have been deployed over a period of time, but I'm going to tell you how I applied it for my startup and how it paid off, right? Uh, and lastly, I'm, I'm looking to learn here as well. Hopefully, I am finish early, and I would love to hear some stories from you on, on tactics that worked for you, and also some feedback on how I can improve this in my next presentation. So any feedback is welcome. Okay, uh, I think this is how it works. Okay, yeah, over the next 20 minutes, um, I'm going to show you how I created a predictable, consistent demand gen using these exact tactics that we are going to talk about. The first is autopilot. Uh, I'll talk about how to create an autopilot demand gen tactic uh, when you're just starting out, especially in a red ocean market, uh, which, which we were in. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the second section, I'm going to cover how do you create the everything everywhere effect. Uh, it's been in the news. Uh, I'm going to talk about that later as well. Um, but especially, how do you do that when you're just, again, starting out? Uh, and last, 
how do you identify and leverage your strengths and transform that into unfair advantage for your business? Uh, all of these to create, uh, to generate demand and to pump up your demand. Okay, so let's just take a step back. Uh, let's talk about what did it help me achieve in the last startup. Uh, so we roughly, we went from, we, we started in 2018, uh, mid of 2018, uh, literally from scratch, we went from zero to a million visitors a year in two years. Uh, we, if, if folks are aware of Ahrefs here, uh, we had a DR of 84 in Ahrefs, which is, which is well regarded. And a global rank, which is out of hundreds of millions of websites in the world, our AHF's rank was roughly around 7,000. Uh, plus, using this engine, we were able to generate 10,000 leads a month uh, consistently. Okay. Uh, yeah, it may also have to do uh, with, the, with the space that we were in, so I can't take all the credit, but yeah, uh, at least I can tell you how we built something that we did. Okay, moving on. Uh, the first one, right? Uh, the autopilot, I, I like to call it the autopilot uh, tactic. Uh, and before I go into what we did, let me tell you a little bit about the industry we were in. Uh, we, were, I, I, we were in the WordPress ecosystem. Are you guys aware of WordPress? I, I'm hoping most of uh, folks who have not yet moved to Webflow know what WordPress is. Uh, and WordPress is filled with hundreds of thousands of plugins, right? And, we were in the security space. It was a red ocean market, uh, creating anything around security. Uh, we had a few large players with millions of customers already using them. So we were, we were launching with a big handicap, right? And uh, that's the context with which we, we, we created this strategy. Uh, we were mostly targeting, and, and if you know uh, mostly WordPress space, they're mostly SMBs or solopreneurs who are trying to uh, find their feet and trying to create their business, uh, grow their business using creating websites. That's the space. That's the space we were in, right? Now, with such a big handicap of uh, large established players, we really needed to figure out how do we, how do we, first, how do we get in front of as many people as possible? Because if we don't, if we aren't able to get in front of people, which is if we don't solve the discovery problem, we are already dead. Uh, we are already dead. We won't even be able to play in the game. Right, uh, and with such a re huge red ocean market, we needed to figure out something fast. Um, so we explored many options. Uh, what we finally settled on, and that's a three part that I'm going to talk about, is uh, what we finally settled on uh, was, uh, our objective was to get in front of as many people as fast, and when I say people, it's not just traffic, but users. Uh, so we, um, we finally settled on launching a lifetime deal. Have you heard of AppSumo? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we finally settled on that, that you know, we are going to launch a lifetime deal because that's where a lot of our audience sits, which are solopreneurs, SMBs, agencies. Uh, but we went with a very specific mindset. Uh, we saw AppSumo launching the lifetime deal not as a revenue generation machine. We said we, we aren't going to look at it as if it's going to generate revenues for us because, yeah, it, it will not. Uh, and that mindset was very important for us uh, because what it helped us think was, what is it that we are going to get out of it? And uh, we were purely seeing the launch as a distribution channel for us, uh, which will help us get in front of 
a large number of our prospects, potential prospects, in a very short span of time. And uh, what it really happened was, because uh, in, the, in the kind of space that we were in, speed was our only weapon. And if it didn't move fast, we were anyways going to get killed. So we had no other option. Uh, within a week of our lifetime deal that we launched on AppSumo, we got more than 5,000 paid users who bought a lifetime deal uh, in a week's time. And our brand search volume, it went from zero, because we were non-existent, literally, to 500 searches a month. Okay, so that was the kind of impact it had on us. Uh, but the way I like to see this is it helped us get 5,000 users, but most likely helped us get in front of 20 or 25,000 prospects, at the very least. Right? AppSumo has a huge machinery. Uh, we leverage that machinery to get in front of our potential prospects. Uh, now, this was just the start, right? Uh, it not only helped us be in front of as many people as possible, but think about the kind of feedback that we got from all these users. It was a new product. Uh, typically, it would have taken us more than three or four quarters to get the product feedback. We squeezed all of that in a week's time. Of course, everyone was working 24-7. There was no option back then when we launched. It was crazy, one hell of a ride, but uh, it was all worth it. Um, now... The second part, right? So that's, that's how we jump-started our traction, by launching a lifetime deal uh, on AppSumo. Uh, the second thing, we, we realized that we've got the start that we wanted, the momentum that we wanted. How do we keep it going? How do we grow it? How do we amplify the effect? Uh, and that's where uh, we wanted to tap into the network effect. Uh, we wanted to really put that in motion, because that was the only way we could capitalize on the traction that we've got and get in front of 10x the number of people we got through here, right? And, and have a chance at winning. Again, uh, all of this to try and get a chance at winning. Um, so, you know, you, you've seen the old age uh, tactic of powered by badges, right? Uh, you, you must have used Intercom. It's been used by a lot of companies across the globe. Uh, but the powered by badges are so abused that it's literally now people hate it when they start seeing those powered by badges. Uh, and we knew at that point of time, if we, for all the lifetime deal users, if we force them to embed a badge, they're not going to like it. There's going to be a good pushback, even though we are giving them a lifetime deal. Right? So we, we kept thinking, what do we do in order to incentivize them to install the badge or to embed the badge? Uh, so we turned the badge into into two parts. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this, was, this is common, but still I'll go ahead and mention that. Uh, we made the badge also act as an affiliate link. And uh, what that would mean, if anyone clicks on the badge and they become our customer, uh, our customers get a cut of that automatically. So they saw this, and these are SMBs and solopreneurs, right? So any money that, any extra money that you can get is an incentive. Uh, and if they get 10 customers, they can easily make, you know, a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars a month. Uh, so we, we had this uh, at least hypothesis in mind that if we can incentivize them, make it a win-win for both the parties, we have a better chance of getting them to embed the badge and not crib about it, right, or not start, not start taking it out of the website. Um, and this strategy played out well for us. Maybe it worked during that time. Uh, we had a badge retention rate of almost close to 80 to 90%, where only 10% of people came back and said, you know what, we, we definitely do not want to have this and, and get it out of the website. 
that was a big win for us. So from 5,000 uh, customers that we got, 4,000 4, odd customers had their badge on, uh, which gave us 10x the exposure that would have otherwise gotten uh, from any other tactic, right? All the visitors on their website saw our badge. Uh, and all the visitors, a good chunk of them are still our prospects, solopreneurs or SMBs. Okay, lastly, uh, that was an unpopular choice at that point of time, but uh, we forcefully injected friction into the product, and this was related to the badge that we did. Uh, so normally, when we, when we asked them to embed the badge, we knew that some of them are going to come back and tell us uh, we want a way to get it out of the website because as soon as they install our plugin the badge is automatically embedded on the footer uh, and we knew they're going to they're going to be people who are not going to be happy about it because they don't know it can help them make money it's an affiliate link but the first thought of adding something external on your website is not pretty right and and we knew that's going to happen um, so instead of uh, what we did was uh, if they had to remove a badge we injected the friction of getting in touch with our support and they cannot remove the badge on their own. In hindsight, you know, I probably will not do it today, <laughs> but it worked for us at that point of time. Uh, every time anyone uh, got in touch with our support that we want to remove the badge, uh, we would tell them the benefits of uh, how it acts as an affiliate link as well, and they can make money. Uh, and we were able to retain a decent chunk of them and convince them to keep the badge on the website. So this little friction, although we didn't keep it for long, uh, but the initial period for which we uh, kept this friction in, in place, it helped us increase our badge retention rate by another 15 odd percent, uh, which again added up to get us 15 percent more exposure. I mean, that's how we were seeing it, right? Um, so yeah, these three helped us uh, constantly create an autopilot engine in place, uh, the lifetime deal, and then the badge, the constant badge, which will always help us be in front of more and more prospects. Right. This is just a screenshot of how the, the, the lifetime deal that we did back in 2018 and uh, the kind of badge that we had. It, it was much more, much more uglier than this. <laughs> okay. Um, now, uh, moving on to the second tactic. Uh, right. um, I, I put it the Times Square effect just to somehow give a reference to New York. Uh, but the more recent and the more relevant probably is, is have you guys seen Everything Everywhere, the recent Oscar movie? Right? Uh, okay, yeah. If, if not, for folks who have not seen it, I would encourage and go ahead and go ahead and watch it. It's a fun movie. Uh, okay, so, you know, we were, we were in a red ocean market uh, and very early in our journey with, with some strong established players, with millions of customers, it was it was not just important for us to be in front of them, but also ensure that they can trust us, right? They can trust us with their money. They can trust us with their website. They can trust us to get us to install something external, which can harm their website as well. Uh, and so we had to figure out a way, how do we establish trust and credibility fast? Uh, because we were, getting in we were getting in front of more and more prospects or more and more visitors, but we also needed to convert them in order to stay afloat and, and continue our momentum, right? Um, and one of the ways, uh, so we needed to establish credibility and trust. 
And and one of the day one of the ways that we try to do it is just by being present in all the places where you would expect them to be uh, to create a halo effect of uh, you know that that these players are big enough to give an sumo-like presence that these players are big enough and uh, they can be trusted with. Now, remember, without all of this, of course I can spend, if I had billions of dollars, I would spend on billboards and ads and just splash myself everywhere. But we were very early in the game and we didn't have that kind of money. Uh, so we had to figure out a way of how do we do it without burning a hole in our wallet. Yeah, so how did we, I'll tell you how did we go about it. Uh, the first thing that we did, the first part of this uh, tactic was to piggyback, uh, I, I, I call it the piggyback technique, where you essentially piggyback on the success of others in order to build your traffic and trust. Uh, so we found out all the websites that were already ranking and they were covering topics around us. Right? Uh, we quickly reached out to all of them. We tried to build a relationship and then we got ourselves injected into those content pieces which were already receiving tens of thousands of visitors. Right? And when all the new visitors start seeing us in those places, it automatically establishes a brand recall. That's the first touch point. So one of the ways that we did it. Just to give you an example, all of these are, again, these, this is from Ahrefs. You can see uh, a DR90, all DR90 websites. This is just a sample. But DR90 websites are really strong websites. Really strong websites, right? And being included in those websites meant that we were guaranteed, A, people are going to trust what's, what's written on those places, and B, it also helps us get enough traffic because they're already getting that traffic from there, right? Um, so this was the first thing that we did. We reached out to all the possible places where we can get included. We got ourselves included, especially high traffic places. Uh, to get enough traffic and build a trust for us. Uh, the second part of this is, you know, uh, the, uh, you know it, how it always helps to be friends with the most popular kid in college, right? Uh, uh, you, you can never go wrong with that. You, you get popular if you attach yourself to a popular kid. And, and that's the strategy or that's the tactic that we did. Uh, our, our audience was primarily SMB and solopreneurs who are not tech savvy, which meant uh, that they would always go to experts who can help them solve their problems, uh, especially uh, tech problems which they are not aware of, right? Uh, and that automatically in the WordPress space created an environment or, or an ecosystem of a lot of large and small influencers, okay? Uh, and we knew that if there's a way we can get associated with them without burning a hole in our wallet, uh, we can be seen as friends with the most popular kids and that adds another layer of credibility and trust to our brand. So that's, what we, that's exactly what we did. We started building relationship, we invested in building relationship with these influencers. Uh, at, at max I would have spent maybe just $50 for lunch or bought an ebook worth $15, $20 to open a dialogue with them. Uh, but we spent time in, in building the relationship. And once we established the relationship, we did it sequentially so that it does not seem random. Uh, but we genuinely built or invested in building genuine relationship with them. 
And over a period of two or three quarters, we started noticing they, that, that they started mentioning us sequentially, right? And, and when all these influencers started mentioning us, again, we got another opportunity to be in front of uh, our prospects repeatedly and have another touch point to be in front of them. Uh, and they started trusting us. That started, again, giving a boost to our credibility and trust. Uh, that, was the, that was the second way we did. The last uh, is, is the tribe. Uh, as the name suggests, WordPress is a very tight-knit community. Uh, and they, they just do not like people who, who, who just want to sell in their community, right? And I think it's now true for all communities. There are more sellers than uh, people adding value in the community. Um, and, and they genuinely see this as a community where if you can add value or if you contribute to the community, you will be rewarded. You will be justly rewarded. We were conscious of this and again started investing in just not even building our own community but participating in the community and genuinely started adding value to the community. Uh, we did this for about a couple of quarters, and in no time, uh, you know, after two or three quarters, we started organic growth or organic word of mouth started spreading. People started talking about us, they started mentioning us, they started referring us, uh, and the word of mouth just kicked in. Uh, you know, these are just some of the screenshots which, uh, the, the com by the way, my company name was Malcare. Uh, and they started recommending, in, in, this is a screenshot from a Facebook group, and they just started recommending us, talking about us in these communities, right? Uh, these are all the influencers with whom we had tied up. Uh, they started creating videos about us. So all these three layers put together uh, really helped us create an effect or a halo effect that we were, we were much larger than we actually were, and we were present everywhere. So we are a brand that they can trust uh, and trust their wallet with. Okay, I'm not keeping a track of time, so I'm hoping they'll have some alarm. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, on the last one, and if I have time, I have a bonus one as well. But uh, let's see the unfair advantage. This is this is fairly this is fairly small. Uh, but uh, we, from day one, we had the mindset that we wanted to win, and and honestly, for any company trying to win, it's essential for them to have some kind of unfair advantage that they can bring to the table to gain that competitive advantage, right? to gain that competitive edge. Uh, so while having a good product is a, is a fundamental baseline in today's world, you need to have a solid product if you have to make any significant progress. But beyond that, you still needed to identify other levers of growth that will help you edge over the competition. Now, uh, so uh, we were headquartered in India, uh, Bangalore, and there were some advantages that we could uh, leverage in order to build our, uh, uh, put those unfair advantages and create that as an unfair advantage for us. Uh, first, of course, in, in APAC, uh, cost is a big factor. Uh, we can leverage cost arbitrage as an unfair advantage. We did that by building a strong content engine, which I showed in the earlier slide, uh, where we were able to make massive strides in our content because of the cost arbitrage that we could afford uh, and put good set of people creating really strong content, uh, letting, us, uh, letting us get higher in the Google rankings in 
as many places as possible, right? Um, and that really helped us to grow. Uh, this is just one of the unfair advantages that we had, but that really helped us to grow to one million visitors a year in, in two and a half years. I don't think this would have been normally been possible if we didn't have this unfair advantage, right? Uh, the second unfair advantage that we could do is we, we put in, uh, it was very unique to put in a live chat support on the website. Now our ticket size was, remember, $100. It would have no way justified for us to put a real human being uh, doing live chat support 24-7. But we offered 24-7 support. We were in the security space. We realized there's a lot of assurance uh, and trust and credibility that's needed. People have a lot of questions before making a buying decision, especially if you're not a brand. Uh, and we could invest in that. Uh, we invested in the 24-7 chat support, and that immediately we started seeing results for that. Like within a month, our conversion rates doubled. There were so many interactions happening on live chat support. Uh, after a support, and they were just basic questions, but after speaking to someone and realizing there's a real human being behind the door and they're not just going to scam me, uh, made a lot of difference in our conversion rates. Uh, again, this is an unfair, there are, there are quite a lot of companies that can help you do this, by the way. Uh, there's a company called Talk.2 and many more offering such services where you can hire uh, chat support. You don't need to have them on the team, but you can just get uh, chat support set up 24 seven globally for you without, again, without spending a lot of money. Am I good? Cut. Okay, cool. I think I'll just send this is, uh, this is the cost arbitrage advantage that we got. Uh, we got 1.7 million backlinks uh, from 6,000 domains. Uh, this was our DR. This is our current rank. We hit a high of 7,000. Uh, but you can see the growth in, in traffic. Uh, in 2018, we barely had any keywords ranked for us. And in 2021, we reached to more than 1,000 in the top three, just in the top three. And that started driving massive leads for us. Uh, cool. I'm going to skip this. I don't have time. Uh, but yeah, that's what we covered in the last 20 minutes. I'll cut. Thank you. I've been reminded twice. But thanks a lot for your patience. Really appreciate it.